Welcome to Your Money with DeWitt Capital Management, a show about investing, the markets, life, and everything in between. David DeWitt Jr. and Sr. and Scott Frank will share what they've been reading and listening to and what the trends are in the market. All opinions expressed in the show are solely the opinions of Dave, Dave, and Scott or any guest on the show and do not reflect the opinions of DeWitt Capital Management. All content within the podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decision-making. We got Black Friday, and uh, I know I made a Black Friday purchase, my only Black Friday purchase yesterday. Um, I bought a stationary bike, an Echelon one, so it's like a Peloton light version. Oh, nice. Um, that me and Jill have been wanting. It's a, a third of the cost of Peloton, but similar, and it comes with an app. just doesn't have that big screen on it. Does it still have the subscription and you can yeah. log rides and ride with others? And Yeah, yeah. Subscription, um, classes, live classes, on-demand classes, scenic rides, all that good stuff. Nice. So, How do you get a scenic excited. ride without a video? Display? Oh, well, there's a place to put like a tablet. Oh, okay. That's the main reason why they're so much cheaper than the Pelotons of the world. They don't come with a big 22-inch ultra-high-definition display already on it. Well... I guess you'll be getting some exercise during the rest of the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, that's that's the goal. That is the goal. And uh, I was reading uh, some stuff this morning about uh, Black Friday expectations, and um, National Retail Federation is expecting 3.6% to 5.2% growth of uh, Black Friday spending, and that would be better than the average over the past five holiday shopping seasons. So. I guess people still want to go out and buy stuff. Just going to be more online. I think a lot of people are going to be buying online and picking up at the store. Right. Yeah. I I saw that on CNBC. They were talking about how millennials are the ones that are actually more likely to go to the to the malls to wait in lines. Is which right? is somewhat counterintuitive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, from um, what I've been reading in the Wall Street Journal, people are wanting that experience of going into the shopping mall and there's Christmas music going on. Maybe there's Santa Claus. Uh, it's just a different, you know, holiday fever sort of thing. Right. Yeah. And they miss an interesting thing I read as well is that people are some, uh, let's see this guy, Marshall Cohen, chief retail analyst that the NPD group thinks that there's going to be a drop off of impulse buys. And he thinks that they normally make up 25% of all holiday purchases. So when you're online, um, I guess there's, well, I actually kind of disagree from a personal standpoint. I am prone to some impulse buying online, but I guess if you're walking, if you're not walking down the mall and you see something in a, in a window, you know, you might go in there and just buy it because you saw it and you want it right on the spot. Did anybody watch the Macy's Thanksgiving day parade? No. How'd that go off? I watched a little bit of it. I think I watched the last 30 seconds and I saw Santa Claus and it, it, that was about it for me. I just accidentally turned it on because I was trying to watch the national dog show, which came next. Right. Yeah. Oh, I saw a dog show too. And every single year, it seems like there's a bearded collie there. Cause I have two bearded collies, of course, but they never actually showcase them. They never do it. And it always makes me a little sad. Well, they did this year. 
Well, no, I mean, they, they show it like when they go through the list of all the dogs, they, they'll say, here's this dog, here's this dog. But then they never actually show the bearded collie doing the run around the ring. Oh, we were switching back and forth from the National Dog Show to the TV or the movie Best in Show uh, during the commercial breaks. Right. There yeah. you go. Yeah. That's a funny show. And uh, let's see, Dan, that's his name. Eugene Levy is hilarious. And me and Jill just <laughs> finished watching Shit's Creek, which is also hilarious. That was a, a, a great show. Great show. Shit's Creek. Yeah. And the... Um... The uh, the the moderator of the show, who was the guy on the left, who was making the, all these ridiculous comments. I mean, I was laughing hysterically looking at that guy. <laughs> yeah. Are we going to be talking about anything to do with investing today or just Thanksgiving? No, no, we can talk about investing. Um, uh, Scott, do you have any data for us on how November went? Yeah, so, so far... Um... From the Dow's perspective, we're up over 12 for November. Um, looks to be on track for one of the better months. Um, maybe the best since 87, January. Um, the uh, the S&P up over almost to, to 11. NASDAQ up almost 11 also. So, um, so, so far this month has been uh, very strong. Uh, and the then market. I and then I see the Russell 2000 up 20 percent. Yes, on pace for its best month on record since inception in 1984. That's the big standout to me. Yeah, and, and it, it it touches on what we've discussed a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, since the COVID news, value in in small caps have uh, have had a very strong run. So and continue to do so. Right, and if and it feels like. A lot of that, I don't know if I'm accurate, but a lot of that 20% happened um, in the past just couple weeks because it's just been on a tear. Yes. Yes, the momentum has has come the last couple of weeks for sure. You know, one of the things that appears to me is that the market doesn't seem to be able to predict what's going to happen because, excuse me, when the pandemic first started, you know, all the analysts were saying, be very cautious, don't buy this market. And what happened? We had, I mean, I guess one of the best years ever, or at least from the bottom. Um, it just, uh, and, then, and then Biden gets elected president with the you know, emphasis on renewable energy and the energy sector goes up by 40% in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. None of this stuff seems to make any sense logically looking backwards it's easier to make some sense of it of course you're trying of course you're you know you can fit it to to the narrative but you know now that there's you know the whole it makes sense in the sense that covid was here we were going and staying at home and we were in the digital age accelerating so all those stocks just carried the market which just makes logical sense and now that there's a vaccine on the horizon and people are going to go back to doing things they did before makes sense that i guess the value and those names that were her are going to carry the market. So I guess uh, it's a question of can they carry the market now going forward? That's the question I would be asking. Um, will they actually carry the market? Because a lot of these industries maybe have already been in some secular decline. Um, so we'll see how much they can really hold up. And I'm sure and there's going to be a lot of issues for even the sectors that are going to benefit the most. Um, there's going to be still a lot of 
you know, issues with balance sheets. I can I can only imagine. Um, I have noticed a theme coming from some market watchers. Um, I know last week we talked about how uh, Ackman was saying that there could be some sort of sell-off into the end of the year, and now we've seen Morgan Stanley. He's saying ripe for a correction. Um, I know a lot of people give this guy a lot of uh, credit for being right a lot, but, I mean, of course, everyone has their streaks. But Who, who are you referring to, Ackman? Well, Bill Ackman, right last week, we talked a little bit about how he was saying that it could be a tragic uh, wrap-up to the year in terms of life loss as well as stock market. And he was saying how he has some big hedges in place. Well, and I, I was, think he was one of the guys. He's, he's sold in front of the – when, when he first got word of the uh, pandemic in China, he – Put a sell on everything, and then right about at the bottom, he went long. He he made a boatload of money. Yeah, he's and he's now. What's he saying now? Oh well, uh, yeah. He, last week he was just saying that he's very cautious and expects there to be some sort of a sell off at the end of the year, but he still expects 2021 to be good. So I mean, and and what I'm saying now is that there's just a common theme. So we have um, Morgan Stanley saying that. Um, he's saying that the S&P he thinks could go as low as 3150, which would be uh, 11% drop from around where we are. Um, who knows? It's just a call. Um, but one of the um, reasons he says is uh, uh, Steve Mnuchin's decision to end su- support for lending programs from the Federal Reserve. So, and he describes and he describes this as quasi tightening. So. That is probably something to, you know, less less easy money, which yes. has been something that's been carrying the market, right? Just the, the constant expectation of the, the government's going to back us up when, you know, the shit hits the fan. So, And I think also it, it's something that is much needed right now. So uh, at this stage to reduce or constrict any kind of uh, – assistance uh i think um yeah it doesn't exactly uh isn't exactly completely bullish uh for small business or the market yeah correct um and then we also have uh let's see it was uh goldman sachs and jp morgan both you know coming out and saying that they expect q1 to be a contraction gdp contraction uh this is all just based on the resurgence of covid of course and shutdowns again you know all ever since the end of the first shutdowns we had several months of the tailwind of reopening and now that tailwind is just basically going away and now that's becoming the headwind um and so so yeah scott i think like what you said you know the market definitely wants some more stimulus wants some more help and if we're not going to get that let's say until after you know uh biden is inaugurated then I guess there could, you know, I could, you know, I can see there being a sort of a, a, little, a small little vacuum. That's yeah. And, and I think time. also, I think also when you're not addressing the issue, the longer, the longer you wait to address it, I think it exacerbates the problem. Yeah. I've um, seen, a, yeah. So. seen a bunch of interviews of restaurant, restaurateurs and other small business owners, and they are, they are scared. They're very scared. Um, because, 
you know, they had to, they, they finally, the, the, the common theme I kept hearing was that they were, they finally like got it going. Like they finally had like their the whole system in place with how they had people come in, how they were marketing, how they were changing their business models. And just as soon as they're sort of like on their feet again, you know, they're pulling the plug again. So it's really tough. I mean, what a, what a, what a tough situation for, for everyone. It's a, it's a hard time. And, um, <clears throat> you know, in this environment, the, the people in the um, lower um, economic levels are, are, are feeling the brunt of all of this. And <clears throat> whereas people with big portfolios of stocks are making all sorts of money. So the, there's a divide that's getting worse, you know, in this country right now. And um, that's why that stimulus program is probably essential, but it doesn't I, seem like yeah. it's coming. I agree with that to some extent, but I also think there's been a lot of people that um, one of the, one of the uh, silver linings of all this is that a lot of people have gotten experience in, in the market that may have not otherwise, because uh, people just started putting their extra money they had in their pockets into the market. And so at least in, from the standpoint of participation, I do think there are some people that otherwise wouldn't have may have been participating. Now, I don't know if they were making good decisions, but I know I certainly have seen a lot of, like a lot of my friends who never are into stocks text me like, oh, I bought this stock, I bought that stock, and I made this, I made that. So, I mean, it's good for them, and I think that's one of the silver linings. My personal trainer, is uh, he's invested in the stock market and making buys and sells. Yeah, that's great. I mean, he's getting exposure to learning what it's like to invest. Yeah, and I think there's just been a wave of that happening. And um, But you are correct in terms of, in the overall picture, I do think there is some of that divide happening, but at the same time, I guess that's to some extent, that's just been the, the history of the stock market because the stock market just, you know, goes up over time. And um, I think the, the United States and the world has gone through, uh, has gone through dark periods and I'm optimistic that we'll come out of this. Um, so going back to some of those themes. So we had some Goldman Sachs cutting GDP, JP Morgan cutting GDP. And then I do still, I still keep saying, seeing, um, uh, and, uh, you know, market watchers saying to, uh, kind of buy value. And, um, so you had, uh, into 2021 Goldman is saying sell stocks like Apple, Intel, Beyond Meat, Wendy's, Qualcomm, and Seagate, and the two that the, I saw that they were recommending were Las Vegas Sands and GM, which is Las Vegas Sands, of course, is the biggest casino operator in the world, and GM, the car company. So there's a clear, clear trend there. Um, I know I was um, just got done reading this book by Daniel Jurgen, who originally wrote the book The Prize, which was the quest for oil during the industrialization period. Um, and with this transition, he wrote another book because of the transition from where we are to renewables. And I just wanted to point out, or he said in the book that in Africa, 3 billion people there don't have access to clean cooking fuels. They burn wood and uh, cow dung, charcoal in their houses. And the World Health Organization calls this the largest health problem in the world today. And so there, you know, we're, 
I'm sorry, the ding just went off. The ding dong went off. Uh, the market must be open. But anyways, uh, we're here looking you know, to buy electric vehicles, but in Africa and India, where the middle class is struggling to come around, they won't be able to afford electric cars right off the bat. So um, it's a very interesting book and it sort of puts things in perspective. But if you live in Africa or India and you think about the, the transition to renewables, you have a completely different perspective than you do from the United States and Europe. Another interesting statistic is that I think China is building um, eight airports a year and three coal-fired electrical generating plants a month. Maybe not necessarily in China, but maybe in other places where they're... So, it, it, you know, there's this whole, you know, there, there's a lot of... Uh, I mean, we're, you know, we're in renewables and we know that's the future, but um, depending on what part of the world you live in, you look at it differently. Right. Yeah. There's so much, um, there's still so much need and use of uh, fossil fuels, um, whether you like it or not. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think even if you, I think I, uh, I heard this in an interview once, if you were to stop uh, all internal combustion engine vehicles today and you sold all electric um, because of everything that's still in circulation, it would take about 20 years to go full on electric, right? Just um, because of the fleet that's currently out there and the usage and how long they last. So uh, it's not going to be overnight by any means. It's going to take, it's going to take decades to transform. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, guys, yep. I think. Uh, the other interesting thing I was reading about in the same book, I recommend it. It's called The New Map by Daniel Jurgen. Anybody listening to this podcast, if interested in uh, renewables and the switch and geopolitics, how that's going to change things as well. Seeing China, and the United States becoming more strategic competitors. Um, people are concerned about plastic in the oceans. And According to uh, Daniel Jurgen, the U.S. generates less than 1% of the plastic waste in the oceans. 90% of the plastic waste in the oceans comes from uncontrolled dumping into 10 rivers in Asia and Africa in the underdeveloped world. So, again, it's just something people may not be aware of while we're trying to switch over from plastic straws to paper straws in Washington, D.C. There's yeah. <laughs> the major issue is somewhere else. Yeah. One thing that's always stuck out to me is that the United States is truly, I think, one of like leading, like right, leading the way in terms of, uh, of reducing carbon emission. And it's kind of showing the rest of the world the roadmap to do that so far. And I don't think, I feel like sometimes you, uh, people in this country don't give, you know, America enough credit for that. Um, so, but for sure, there needs to be support and incentives for the rest of the world to, to get to get going on that on that front. Uh, here's a, we'll end up with a couple of tweets I saw that were interesting. So this guy, Kenneth Dredd on Twitter, he had a tweet that was fascinating. The sum total of revenue generated by Tesla is less than Elon Musk's net worth. So that is a... That's remarkable. I don't know. Can you give do that? Can you do that one more time? I'm sure I get my head around this. So the sum total of revenue generated by Tesla. Now I'm not sure if he means to date. He might. I think he might mean to date. So uh, 
aggregate total of revenue ever generated by Tesla is less than his current net worth. Well, I guess that speaks for how Tesla stock has done. Yeah, definitely a, a, definitely speaks to, I guess, what people really think about the stock looking forward. Another interesting tweet, um, the DAX index in uh, Germany. So it's like their major, it's kind of like their Dow. Uh, it's gone nowhere since 2000. It's flat. It's it's basically just flat, has not done anything. So that would not have been an index you would want to have had not the best all your money in. For 20 not years, the best right? ride. That's exactly. It's remarkable. Remarkable. All right, guys, that's it for today. We'll talk next week. I uh, hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you want a question highlighted on the show or have any comments or feedback, shoot us an email at yourmoneydewit at gmail.com. See you on the next one.